ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Mike Gundy nearly got owned in Stillwater, Oklahoma this weekend. Clemson is 2-0, and life is good. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody. We are the Clemson Podcast, here to recap the Citadel game and bring everyone up to speed on what's going on with Clemson football. Ben, I want to get to you in a minute, but Cody, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back, and more importantly, I'm glad college football is back. I'm glad your wife let you out of the house um, to join us for the game, albeit the Citadel game. Um, but I guess we'll take what we can get at this point. Game is a game. Uh, it was obviously a very exciting first half. You guys probably had a lot, of, a lot more chat, chatter and catching up to do in the second half because it wasn't too eventful. But um, yeah, Cody, great to, great to have you back on. Congratulations on your wedding and um, joining us again. Good to have you. Thanks, guys. And, you know, life's not the same uh, when you're married. I'm just finding that out in terms of like your college football consumption. So, you know, bear with me. Well, the sex is the next thing to go. So, <laughs> well, I don't know how you follow that one up, but uh, let's move on to college football, guys. Uh, Clemson victorious on Saturday at Death Valley. Uh, really interesting atmosphere for that game. We'll definitely get into that piece, but. Clemson came away with a decisive 49 to nothing victory. Incidentally, that was the score coming into halftime. Uh, so plenty to unpack from that, that game, but uh, guys it was great to see, you know, Clemson put on what I thought was a pretty well executed game day amidst uh, COVID-19 and everything going on. It felt like, you know, from top to bottom Clemson as a university and kind of an athletic department and a football program wanted to put on a game environment that, you know, it was respectful to, you know, sort of some of the um, regulations put in place by the state, by the ACC, and certainly by the university. And it seems like, I mean, just from what I've heard, people going to the game, it was obviously a strange atmosphere, but one that, you know, I, I felt for one kind of pretty proud of, you know, looking at that compared to what I had seen on TV at like the Florida State game the week prior as a comparison point. Does that mean people are actually showing up for Florida State games these days? They are, and they all were on top of one another for the most part <laughs> in the first like five rows of the stadium. But yeah, you know, Clemson felt pretty distanced. There were obviously memes floating around the internet today. Like what you, you guys is COVID only passed horizontally, you know, cause the rows were kind of stacked back to back on top of one another. But uh, all of that stuff aside, I thought, I don't know, felt like a pretty safe distance set up at Death Valley. Yeah. It was just really weird to see it. Like I felt, it was actually quite normal to see no fans in Wake Stadium, but it was very odd to see Death Valley about a quarter of the capacity. Um, you could certainly tell the crowd noise was not there. Um, but, I mean, it is cool to have people in the stands. I mean, it makes it feel a little bit more like normal. But um, seeing those rows of, of seats, um, you can't escape the fact that this is just a very unusual year. Um, it will continue to be unusual. Uh, but what has been normal so far is Clemson winning. Yeah, I mean it was it was a good game, and everyone's writing that you can't you're not you can't learn much from beating the Citadel, but I don't think that's true. I think we've been doing this long enough. You can, you know how to handicap your team. You can, you can get a sense of like 
the quarterback's timing, the receiver's routes, um, how dominant you are along the lines of scrimmage. I think we're in good shape after – I don't care who we played. I, I can tell we're in good shape, like really good shape. Yeah, I mean, the team looks polished. Like they've come out of the gates really strong. We haven't really seen that uh, consistency the last couple of years. I will say one big takeaway from this game is the second team offensive line has a lot of work to do uh, because that was a big part of the reason why we didn't put up any points and failed to cover the spread – um, by not scoring in the second half. So there are some takeaways from this game for sure. Um, and just because, you know, Trevor is out there throwing against the Citadel, he looked phenomenal. Like, I don't care who he's playing. Like, he looked amazing. Yeah, Ben, why don't we start with breaking this game down vis-a-vis the offense? So quick 49 points for the Tigers through about, I don't know, I guess you could say like 85% of the first half. Uh, you commented on Trevor Lawrence looking sharp from the start. I think we didn't squander that first drive as was done up in Winston-Salem this time. Uh, quick connect for Trevor uh, for six. And uh, really in this one, I think just from a game planning standpoint and what you've seen so far in the first two games, Trevor does look sharp. And he does, you know, I think it's basically been like only a handful of incompletions. Really very few of those, maybe only one ball season to date has been on Trevor for um, not connecting on his throw. The rest have been pretty much drops or defense balls. But uh, yeah, awesome to see just knowing that about a year ago, uh, Trevor uh, really had a little bit of a slow start to the season. Yeah, no, he looks phenomenal this year. I mean, he was just dropping dimes out there. That ball was going exactly where it, where it needed to be. I mean, the the throw, two throws really to um, Frank Lanson and then also one to Bermari Rogers were, I mean, just fantastic passes. He's, his accuracy is there. He's really moving through his progressions really well and using the entire field. Knock on wood, our offensive line, starting offensive line needs to keep, stay healthy. Um, but I mean, Trevor's amazing. I think we're all seeing why, and we've seen it very early and often so far early on in the season, why he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, I think the tendency with Trevor Lawrence is to is this, is to set the expectations super super high because he can do things that not a lot of NFL quarterbacks can do. Some of the um, across his body throws on the run and, and the arm strength, like you just get to the point where you expect every ball to be a dime. Um, but he he is yeah he's taken his game up another level. I think it's a little bit of confidence because if you you go back to last year, he had Heisman expectations and hopes, and those never came to fruition. He was actually. For him, he was not that good to start the season. And this season, it's been a completely different story. I'm really impressed. And, uh, yeah, I think, I, think we're in, I think we're in great shape. I think it starts with him, and we're in great shape. Yeah, just sticking with quarterbacks, uh, the coaching staff brought DJ Ewing and Lele in fairly early in this game, got him some snaps early in the second quarter, uh, went back to Trevor for a little bit. So it was kind of good to see TDL continue to produce um, in this game. Um, so, Coaching staff brought in DJ Uyunglele relatively early in the first half. Um, try him out in a couple of situations. Going back to Trevor to continue to um, get reps in this game and not necessarily pad his stats because, um, you know, while impressive on the drives he was out there and certainly scored at will, um, he didn't really have that prolific a game from like a Heisman stats perspective. But um, I think how many of his completions went for touchdown passes? It was like half of his passes. Uh, were touchdowns, right? Three of nine. Yeah. Three, three of nine attempts, eight completions, the one drop by Amari Rogers. And a lot of people are going to complain. I mean, you're going to see chatter about him not staying in there long enough to be able to put up the stats. 
uh, to possibly get the Heimsman, but A, nobody else is playing right now. <laughs> he's the only one to watch. And B, he's going to have those opportunities throughout the rest of the year. If he stays as sharp and as accurate as he has been, he is going to light up teams and light up that scoreboard. Yeah, one thing I like is is not just his play so far. It's a little bit of the offensive play calling. It seems like they're a little bit more aggressive. It's really hard to discern as a as a novice, you know, fan just watching who doesn't know all the X's and O's. But it seems like they're being a little bit more ag- aggressive downfield, doing some being a little bit more creative. I think the tight ends like kind of emerging just to have the right personnel at tight end is part of that. But but still, I think I think Trevor seems a lot more comfortable, and I think they they're they're. they're and in both games, that is, and I think they're getting into more of a flow. So, um, kudos to the to the, Tony Elliott for that. One thing I don't like though is when they mix DJ, and I, I don't care. I like that they put him in with the starters. What I don't like is when they they flip all the way to to Tyson uh, Pumachan. I, I wish they'd get DJ some real reps because I think he needs that experience. If if there were you know God forbid an injury, the TL. Yeah, I mean, they had DJ in there early on that the first drive he was in for because they wanted to see him play with a short field um, and then also give him some opportunities behind that first string offensive line. I kind of wish they'd give Tyson the same opportunity behind a first string offensive line because, I mean, I you can tell that DJ is the better quarterback right now, but, you know, Tyson's not getting a lot of protection with that second team offensive line. And we can talk about them in a little bit because they're they're just not very good right now. doesn't mean they're not going to be or get better, but... Um, you could really see things. I mean, it's it's night and day difference when that first string offensive line is is out there versus the second. Um, but I mean, it's the Citadel game. We're going to see this weird stuff, right? I mean, we knew DJ was going to come in early. Um, Tyson probably came in earlier than we thought he would. Um, but I don't know. I don't have any complaints as regards to that. That's not going to be the normal moving forward throughout the year. Yeah, Cody. I imagine your perspective on this though is this is the type of game where you could see. Uh, number one, DJ progressing a little bit more with um, with the first team O line, and then same for Tyson. And really, if, if you're going to evaluate those two quarterbacks, I mean, they may already have decided what the pecking order is there, but it'd be good to just get like an apples to apples comparison of DJ with the first string O line, Pumachan with the first string O line, and kind of sort of see what what you get in certain situations. Um, ben, to your point, and it, maybe let's use this to pivot to the O line. Uh, heaven forbid we need to see that entire O-line playing together in meaningful snaps and meaningful moments. I think what you what we need to ask ourselves, and I don't think we know the answer to yet, is what if we're needing to see one or two of those guys, you know, get some meaningful reps? You know, what does that mean for this offensive line and the ceiling of this offense? We're, we should not be kind of gauging where this O-line ceiling is this year, just on the, the, the play of that that second team, because it's unlikely they're all going to be playing together. Well, let's hope not, because <laughs> we yeah. had a glimpse of what that's going to look like uh, against the Citadel. Um, yeah, it's the, the first the first string looks really good. The second string, there's a lot to be desired. And especially in a year with COVID, you never know when some of these guys are going to go down. You know, they're all in the same, um, uh, you know, in their offensive line group meetings and stuff like that. So they're around each other. And we talked about this a little bit in the show last time. Like, I'm hoping these, you know, you don't have all the quarterbacks rooming together. Um because if one goes down, they all go down. But I mean, we can say it all we want. This team looks absolutely amazing. And when healthy at full strength, they're going to be really hard to beat. But if we get into that second uh, string offensive line, we're going to be in trouble. Agreed. I, I, I said this to you guys, I texted this to you guys during the game. So let me throw out some hype. 
here. I think this is the most talented Clemson team I've seen so far. That includes the 18 team. Um, I think their upside is, is that of the 18 team, which that is an insanely high. One of the best teams ever. Uh, I think they could even be better than that team. That's, that's how good I think the ceiling is. But to your point, Ben, if you get down to that, if it comes down to the offensive line and something were to go wrong, like I think the, the floor of this team is a little bit lower just because of that. For no, no other position group has the same kind of issue. It's, it's the offensive line. And Walker Parks will be uh, serviceable. He'll be good if you plug yeah. him in. Hunter Rayburn, maybe. And then after that, I have no idea who else you plug in because that means you're seven deep and, and then everyone else is like maybe a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, Blake Vinson struggled at center there with a couple bad snaps. You know, it's third year in the program. We need to be expecting something out of him by now. I know he's dealt with some injuries. Kate Stewart had a couple high snaps. He's played well this year so far, but he did have a couple high snaps this game, and he did struggle with some snap issues last year. Um, but I think bottom line is, and we all agree on this, the continuity of that offensive line and keeping them healthy is the biggest storyline for this team this year. And it's the thing that can make or break them. One of the other storylines we had going into the season, and we had a few questions like this coming out of week one, uh, was a little bit in the wide receiver game. And great to see and hear Frank Latson's number called in this. He stepped up on a couple of great touchdown catches, equally great throws. Um, him going up and getting the ball in the end zone was the perfect Trevor Lawrence throw. I think that's going to be in his combine film if he chooses to even participate in the combine. And the one, the one deep ball down the left, left side um, to Ladson, that was just flashing his speed, uh, reminiscent of some Deion Kane touchdowns back in the day uh, with Deshaun Watson. But anyway, guys, I mean, I think we didn't really see a ton of Joe and Gata in this game. Um, really didn't learn too much against the Citadel secondary. You know, I don't think we would have or could have. Uh, but good to see Ladson kind of have a, a bounce back game a bit, um, catching passes. Yeah, no, I I think I learned that Frank Ladson, um, the hype that was built up for this kid, it's valid after seeing him play out there on Saturday. I thought he had a great game. Um, EJ Williams looks good. He needs to put on some weight uh, to really be effective, and you expect that to come next year, but I liked what I saw out of him. Uh, and outside of uh, Mario Rogers, that one drop, you know, he had that great touchdown catch. Um, so there's still a lot of questions. We need to see Ngata out there. He had an abdominal strain. That's why he didn't really get you much action in this game. Uh, but I would, I would tend to agree. I still think, you know, offensive line, obviously the, the biggest concern, but I'm not going to call wide receivers concerned because Trevor makes any group of wide receivers that much better. But when you get down to having like, you know, you have some guys go down and then Will Sweeney or, or, or Brown are the first guys off the bench or, you know, early on. Um, that's not saying a lot. I think Brandon Spector was hurt in this game. Uh, we didn't see a lot out of him. So there's still a lot of question marks um, for this wide receiver group. But I will say in, uh, in comparison to the offensive line, I'm much more confident that we've got the playmakers there. They're just going to have to, you know, cream's going to have to rise to the top this year. And we'll see that over the next few games. Yeah, one of the narratives over the offseason that I'd ever – this never really – I didn't agree with it. It was that Amari Rogers coming in was our alpha receiver. And I don't know how you guys felt about that. I think he was our most experienced receiver. But I thought if he becomes our alpha receiver, I think we're in trouble. Nothing against him. I just – I think it has to be Ladson or Ngata. They have to be – and right now it looks like Ladson's stock's a little bit higher. It seems like him and Ngata kind of 
bounce back and forth, like who's going to be the next big thing. I think they're both going to be big things. Honestly, I think Gatto is just hurting this one. Um, and I think, I think this year you'll see it. I think Lawrence is the right guy to get on the ball. And, not, and again, Amari's going to have a huge year. And then Brandon Spector, Cornell Powell, I think we're fine. I'm not, I'm not as, we're, we're just not as deep as we used to be in, in previous right. years. But I think we're fine with the high-end talent. Well, and they've adjusted the game plan. We've got the tight ends being much more active. Uh, we're throwing the ball over the middle of the field. They're not relying on those kind of deep passes down the sideline that T. Higgins or Justin Ross would just go up and pluck out of the air in the past, you know? Um, it's a m- much more uh, dynamic passing attack, and we've already we've seen the fruits of that this year. They didn't even barely use the tight ends in this game, right? It was more over the middle passing to guys like Latson and EJ Williams and stuff like that. So, um, and the tight end is the part of the equation that we tend to, to not remember because really we've only seen them utilized here in one game, but that was enough for us to see with the success of Braden Galloway. Davis Allen has um, really improved. And like Deb was mentioned, this is the best probably we've been at tight end in quite some time. And they're going to make a huge impact this year. And that's really going to bolster this passing game. Yeah, I think, Cody, maybe your point is, you know, you could have a Sammy Watkins in your offense at that, um, uh, I guess, the field position receiver. Uh, but if you don't have like a Martavis Bryant or Mike Mike Williams or Sharon Peak at the boundary, you know, if you don't have like a consistent, reliable guy out there, that's going to limit your offense. And they're going to scheme against Rodgers, kind of um, put him into a position where he's getting not double teamed, but kind of schemed out of the plays. Um, or bracketed, you know, you, you got to be multiple as a receiving offense or a passing offense. It's good, Ben, to your point, to open up the middle of the field with the tight ends in that, in that sense. Um, the, uh, Tony Elliott, you know, the offense really spread the ball out in this one. If you look at the number of uh, Clemson receivers with targets, um, really not a lot of targets to individual guys. Like we, we saw Cornell Powell with like two targets in this game. We'd love to have seen him or continue to see him a little bit more involved. Um, from a slot position, but I think really like from what we've been used to is WRU, that really means the boundary receiver, right? Right. Well, it's just a different look this year. And I, I think Cody's argument does hold water. There's enough guys on this roster, enough talented guys on this roster that we are going to be just fine. We just need to, we just need to see who they are. And we don't know that yet um, because they're all young, you know, not having Justin Ross is a, is a big loss for this football team. I mean, there's your alpha receiver, Cody. That's what he was going to be this year, obviously. And when he goes down, were we all, was the sky falling? No, we felt fine, right? In our gut, we feel fine. I think so. I think, I think we'll be fine. I think you hit it on the head. Well, think about it like this. In, in 2018, we had to rely on T and, and Ross and, and Co. Because we didn't have any tight end production. So like you, like you said, there's, there's a lot of, like, uh, Galloway might be the best since Leggett. So that's a huge supplement to the talent that's already there. It just needs a little bit more experience. Yeah, I feel good about that. You know, one, one interesting thing about the offensive play calling and what Trevor Lawrence is doing kind of looks a little bit like what LSU was doing with Burrow last year, just the quick pass action. So maybe that opens things up for more of your like Brandon Spector, Amari Rogers, yards after the catch type plays. I wonder if they'll keep doing that. I think Lawrence is the perfect guy to do it. He sits six foot six, deadly, you know, dead accuracy. I, I, I hope we keep doing stuff like that. It seems more innovative, more modern. Yeah, and we also have to remember guys like Latson and Ngata had to sit out part of um, uh, August camp, too, with, I guess, COVID-related uh, protocol issues. So they didn't get a full August camp, and obviously they only got half the spring. So these guys are going to grow into their own. Uh, we just have to give it some time. It's the only second game of the year. 
why don't we pivot for a moment, guys, to the running back game, uh, to the rushing attack from Clemson. You know, Ben, we talked a little bit about wrinkles for this season with Trevor Lawrence's game. Really haven't seen him utilized too much in designed run action, nor have we seen him kind of put it put put his head down, grab the ball and run with it too often. Um, sort of here and there and definitely around the goal line he's doing that, but not really, you know, elsewhere on the field. Um Early returns on ETN. Like, how do you guys feel like you've seen ETN handle the early going so far um, from an explosiveness and just a command of the running game? You know, I almost feel like I'm expecting more of him because he's shown us so much that I think I just forget how much better he is than everybody else. You know, I, I expect him every time he touches the ball, especially against the Citadel, that he should break a, a long touchdown run. Uh, but, you know, average eight and a half yards of carry in this game. He's making plays out of the backfield and in, in the punt return game. So, I mean, we're really seeing a, a complete running back really put it all together this year. He's going to go high in the draft. The only downside that's been so far is Trevor keeps taking his touchdowns at the goal line. And that is a bit of a concern to me. He has been having trouble getting in on goal line runs. Um, the QB runs are working well between Trevor and DJ. Like they've got the big body to do it, but ETN's not just hasn't been able to punch it in yet close to the goal line. What well, I, I think it's the play design, actually. I mean, obviously, when you're the quarterback, you have a numbers advantage then. You know, right. You have a running back able to block for you. Lead but blocker. Yeah. I'm curious just from a like actual play design. I haven't watched the film. I'll probably tune into STS's film breakdowns to check this out. But um, are we, you know, setting up the right type of halfback counter? or you know, the right type of um, angle for ETN. Whereas it looks like for Trevor, again, that extra blocker, that number's advantage has helped. Yeah, we do keep um, trying to pound the ball up the middle with him when I feel like get ETN out in space, do a sweep or something like that. Like he's going to beat people, right, um, to the corner of the end zone. So, I mean, maybe we're just trying to establish that dominant uh, run game at the goal line. We haven't seen a jumbo package yet. So, you know, right. that with Brian Brzee, you know, that's that's in the works. Um, but yeah, I would like to s- just us to be able more consistently punching in on the early downs, uh, from the goal line or at the goal line. And I wonder if DJ who, by the way, I really like, I like him. I, I think he's just, we've, we've really overlooked him. I, I mean, Clemson, the Clemson sphere has overlooked him because Trevor Lawrence is still in the program and ETN still here and a bunch of other players are here, but he's going to be really good. Yeah. They, they mentioned, uh, the broadcast broadcast crew mentioned Cam Newton as a comp and that's actually probably a, a good comp because he's he's got the same size, the same type of body. I mean, he could he could definitely be your Tim Tebow to if you recall Chris Leak. Uh, Tebow came in as a freshman and upperclassman. Chris Leak was the quarterback. He would come in for those goal line situations. I don't know if they'll continue to do that. I don't know if they need to do that, but um, that'll be interesting. And well, and I, what I've seen so far from DJ too as a passer, not as refined as say Trevor Lawrence as a freshman, but he's pretty darn good as a freshman so far. Yeah, you can tell the difference between his throws and Tyson Pumachon's. Oh yeah. And that, that's, yeah, that's not yeah, a day. It's fairly obvious. Um, yeah. With DJ, were the announcers pronouncing his name, right? They were not. They seem very confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anish. I, I thought they were fine. Like Luganville and Anish uh, were fine. Luganville is, been around a long time he, he i don't know what he was doing before the acc network like was he on sideline detail or what but um i haven't watched actually very many acc network games but it seems like they they tend to draw a number of those assignments i thought they did a pretty good job at they definitely had dj's name wrong but you're right ben they were saying it like with a lot of 
authority or confidence. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we're not pronouncing it quite right, but they seem to butcher it pretty bad. Um, well, I guess sticking with the running backs, let's talk about the backup running backs. We got to see Lynn J. Dixon in this game. Good to see him back in there. Um, but good lord, do we have a stable of guys? Um, Chesma Lucy looks really good. Um, Actually, Mikey Dukes fumbled the ball. He, Mikey was, Dukes fumbled. That was that was the low point. But I mean, Clemson yeah. has more legitimate running backs who could start at other places and the Braves have starting pitchers. It's, yeah. it's a good, it's a talented stable. I, I, I want to see more DeMarcus Bowman. I think he's more the guy, he's your guy for the future. I mean, you have two guys that are NFL running backs. He's one of them, obviously ETN's the other. So it'd be not, I mean, I know pass protection is going to be the issue, but I'd like to see them work him in and him to ultimately be higher in the rotation. I was I actually, realistic to see i just gonna say i don't think it's super realistic to see a ton of bowman this season great to break him in in a citadel game or get him some reps against wake like they did i think lynn j dixon did not look 100 percent, so it'd be good to get obviously this bye week is going to be a good thing for his health um i would like to see them flex a lot more lynn j dixon because on the chance uh, travis Etienne needs to sit out for any reason be good to have more of a reliable number two there uh ready to go not saying Bowman can't rise up and do that during his freshman season, but just the realities of our depth chart. Like don't really, I don't really see him doing that or being the guy that they call. No, I, I think ultimately, you know, Bowman ends up ascending the depth chart and, you know, certainly passes a guy like Mikey Dukes, possibly even Darian Rencher um, as the season goes along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think given this extra couple of weeks for Lin Jay to heal his knee, he actually I had a good block and pass protection in the game on Saturday. And, you know, this is not a big guy. Right. Um, but I think he's certainly somebody that you trust more than some of these other freshmen. Yeah. And you want to you want to honor you want to honor the fact that he came back too, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's your one A starter next year. It could be one A, one B with him and Demarcus Bowman, but he he'll he'd be the starter. Yeah. And definitely everyone likes what they've seen out of pace so far. He seems to be, you know, more of a violent runner, which we'll take here at Clemson. Um, so yeah, you know, really solid from that, that aspect. I think just let's see what Travis Etienne looks like matching up against more legitimate conference opponents. See if he has that, you know, that burst, um, at, you know, watching some NFL stuff this weekend too, watching college football, I honestly believe guys that there is a conditioning gap so far with a lot of these players and these teams, yeah. uh, Travis Etienne lost a good amount of weight, muscle weight coming into this season. You know, he's a lot, what playing a lot, a lower playing weight. Um, so what do we see? You know, what do we see the returns on that? Um, he definitely should have more speed and burst. Um, uh, but where is he just on the conditioning and endurance, you know, spectrum? Well, I think that was by design though. I think he intentionally tried to, to shed some oh, yeah. weight because he put on a little bit last year. Um, and of course we all know the, was it Popeye's chicken that he went to town with over like spring break or something. <laughs> but I think it was intentional to lose some weight uh, in, in the off season just to get a little bit more of that burst back. Yeah, that's fair. Um, any other kind of thoughts on the offense guys? I mean, not, not a ton to take away. I guess we should, address the elephant in the room at zero points scored in the second half. Um, good combination there of aggressiveness from the offensive coaching staff, you know, some woes on QB pass protection, uh, some turnovers, that kind of thing. Not great to see. 
a little surprising though to still put up zero despite all of that yeah again i think a lot of that all goes back to the offensive line um but listen you got a guy like pumachan out there who just who does seem to just kind of be throwing the ball up for grabs whereas if you're playing with you know clemson's starting wide receivers or wide receivers of years past you have guys can go up and get that but you know in this case he's throwing to Aju Aju and Aju Aju is still a little bit raw <laughs> and he he needs some work and he's work learning how to catch the ball um you can tell he's got the physical stature and all the physical capabilities to be a good wide receiver but he's he's fairly new to football um so that connection really didn't work out there's probably a couple of those balls that he should have caught from Tyson Pumachan Sage Ennis had a drop over the middle from Puma Chan that was a beautifully thrown ball, I thought. Um, so you combine that with the with the second-string offensive line woes, and they just weren't able to get anything going. And, you know, kudos to the Citadel for sticking in there and playing hard the entire game. Their coach um, um, turned down the option to play with a running clock in the second half. And you know what? They battled. They gave up no points. They started moving the ball a little bit in the second half. So, you know, kudos to them. I know we like to think of these teams as – is pushovers, but you remember Citadel is a program that took Alabama to halftime 10 to 10 a couple years ago. They, they beat South Carolina a few years ago. Um, so it was, it was good to see that they still had that fight, um, especially for a team that knows coming in that they're probably going to get their brains, you know, bashed in. Bashed in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, SoCon team showed some toughness, never easy to come into death Valley kind of outmatched out talented, but good to see them put up that fight real proud of the defense. I mean, we can take this moment to pivot over to the defense, but um, a shutout, you know, nothing to sneeze at. I don't care who you're playing. Ohio state was the last shutout back in the Fiesta bowl from the 2016 season. Um, That's crazy. Isn't it? It is actually, you know, we've, we've had two near championship teams since then, plus a really strong 2017 defense. And Every other opponent, you know, I, I think back to we nearly had Miami shut out in the ACC championship game, uh, but Mark Richt kicked a chicken shit field goal in the fourth quarter to break that one up. <laughs> and um, yeah, there were a few other kind of near misses on shutouts over the years, but pretty remarkable um, that we that we didn't do that. Well, credit Miles Murphy, first and foremost, that kid looks amazing. I don't know if we've seen a guy like that come in on defense so ready to perform. Um, and, the, and the scary thing is, is I'm sure he still has stuff to work on from a technique standpoint, but he has been dominating these first two games. Just his, especially playing against the triple option in this game, his discipline was fantastic. You see that burst of speed and how fast he's able to get to the ball carrier or the quarterback. You, you saw that one strip that he had um, leading to the Skalski score. Um, I mean, him and him and Brzee are the real deal, man. Um, and that's going to play out over the course of the year. They're going to be household names by the time the end of this year is up. Yeah, for me, Murphy is just is kind of like Vic Beasley, and I'm trying to think who is another guy. Um, probably like Dexter Lawrence, just someone when you're when you're when they're on the line, you you just want to watch them, and it's it's worth the it's worth the, the attention because he just he makes like you said he makes plays, he blows guys up, and then meanwhile, like you said, Brissy can do a lot of the same things. I think he's a little bit more raw. Um, Murphy came from Georgia. So like their high school football coach coaching is just, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. We're so he's naturally Connecticut or, uh, Maryland, Maryland. or yeah. Maryland, sorry, which is yeah, nowhere. Yeah. 
nowhere near as, as advanced as Georgia, but still he's an, another physical specimen. Like the, com- the comparisons to JJ Watt are not, I mean, those are apt. So, I mean, that, those are, I mentioned to you guys, those are two guys that any team, any program would just build, build their program around one of those pieces. And we have two in the same class. And I mean, they, again, more refinements can be needed on Brisset's part, but darn, I mean, I, I would say this time next year, it's just going to be a lot like, 2018 when we were just blowing teams off the ball really excited about those two guys obviously yeah I mean you'll have a starting defensive line presumably next year of Murphy and Xavier Thomas at the ends and then Tyler Davis and per se on the interior I mean who's going to move the ball against that right and like I said Davis is all he's all conference all maybe even all American good so that's the other guy in the equation and that's just the starters Right. I mean, DeMonte Capehart had a great game. DeMonte right? Capehart looked good. Greg Williams Another looked good late game. in this game. Yeah. After that down year across the defensive front last year, man, the, the, the recruiting was amazing, obviously, in the last cycle. And they have reloaded it then some at that position group. Yep. Uh, did not miss Justin Foster, Tyler Davis, or Xavier Thomas too much in this one. Granted, it was the Citadel running the option. So not necessarily a pass first, uh, you know, spread them out type of team, but. Ben, I think you made a great point. Like, great to see true freshmen coming in and showing discipline from a triple option yeah. um, offense. And I don't know. I mean, you know, just from like a play grading standpoint, I can't remember nearly that many kind of busts um, where they, I mean, what was their longest gain? Had to be like 10, 11 yards at most. It, it wasn't much. I mean, they only had. Eight it was first the downs. Flea the flea flicker. Yeah, the flea flicker was the best play. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought there was one other run uh, that they had. Well, they had a couple runs of 17 yards, I guess, um, right. yeah. in this game. Um, but that was about it. I mean, average 1.8 yards a carry. Wake averaged about the same. What was it 1 6 or something like that last week? Um, yeah, I would question if we're going to see a team, at least on a regular season schedule, average more than three yards a carry against this defensive line this year. Well, we need we do need Tyler Davis back, so hopefully he's healthy. He's going to be a big part of of how good this defense can be. But credit to the linebackers; those are like we have another another steady or uh, another stable of just hard nosed linebackers. I mean, it's no wonder Brent Venables is the DC, and one of the linebackers is his son, so it makes <laughs> sense. But uh, the the other part too is the this this new slew of guys in the secondary. They, they're just they're all hard hitters. Darian Kendrick coming from the offensive side, no issues there. He's, he was a hard hitter. Sher- Sheridan Jones, like these guys are come down and lay the wood. Like that's for so many years. Like think of, uh, think of like the West Virginia game. We had these, I don't want to say soft, but guys that just weren't great tacklers, weren't very physical. That's, that's not the case anymore. No, these guys can hit, um, you know, Andrew Booth, he had a, in in coverage had a couple of guys get behind him in this game, but he looked really great in run support. Very physical. Fred Davis does as well. Um, Ray Thornton's a guy. You know, last year Landon Zanders was a guy that kind of stood out to me that I would constantly see like um, you know get big hits. And Ray Thornton's been that guy so far this year. He had a few in this game. Um, so yeah, you're you're completely right, Cody. These guys can hit. They need to tighten up on their cover skills, obviously. And again, kind of like the wide receiver position group, we've got a ton of talent there. Um, we're just going to need probably four guys to step up and be consistent. Um, Kendrick, obviously, his first game back. 
we need him to be that lockdown corner this year. We need to see Booth continue to improve and step into hopefully assuming that starters roll out right. Um, I think Goodrich was out. Was Goodrich out in this game again? I don't recall seeing him out there. Um, I believe so. But regardless, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of talent, hard hitters, um, but coverage is still a little bit shaky in my mind. Yeah, I have been disappointed with Booth so far. I mean, in his coverage, but don't like I, this guy is just—he's the next thing at, at DBU. I don't know. I don't know. We're not DBU, but he's—he's he's the next guy in line. You know, you got AJ Terrell and and uh, Trevon Mullen before him. I, I think Booth is the next guy, and that's not to say uh, anything against Sheridan Jones because I think he's going to be a—he's going to be a guy too, probably starting next year. But yeah, they they have quite a, a few guys. Um, Booth, yeah, Booth. I mean, he's just got it. He's just inexperienced. I think he doesn't have his confidence, and that's as a cornerback, you just got to have confidence. And contrast that with Sheridan Jones, who is just, you know, your typical chip on the shoulder type DB. Yeah, and I will say this for Booth and a couple guys in this game. I mean, Malcolm Green got beat on a trick play as well. So, you know, with the Citadel Triple Option team, a team does not throw the ball um, a ton. How many passes do they have in this game? <laughs> 11? I don't know. Yeah, 11. 11 <laughs> times. There were three of 11, so here we are beating up on the DBs for poor coverage. <laughs> I, mean, I guess some yeah. of that dates back to Wake, but yeah, good point. Yeah. What this cornerback reminds me of, guys, is actually the 2016 team where you've got, uh, if you guys remember, Mac Alexander, Cordray, Tankersley were the kind of one-two corners in 2015. Mac goes to the NFL you know, very deserving to kind of head out early and go do that. Tank became sort of the, the lead option there when it was um, Trayvon Mullins uh, freshman season. And, you know, I know Booth has been around a, se- a year, but kind of both Mullen and Booth were very celebrated coming in, very highly anticipated guys. And um, I see DK playing a little bit of that tank role. Tank very much stepped into that position and sort of embraced that role. And um, I think DK sort of has too. It'll be interesting to see though, like, is he going to be able to hold his own against the number one receiver option? I don't think we've necessarily, but he hasn't been tested thus far this season. Uh, Wake does have a pretty decent passing attack, uh, or at least they've got a capable quarterback and they had a couple of good wide receivers uh, going in week one. But I think the real test is going to come against the Miami Hurricanes and DR King there. Uh, I believe that game's on October 10th. Yeah, and listen, I mean, Mike Reed has he has his credentials. He's he's turned out a bunch of um really good defensive backs for Clemson. So I mean, we, we can see the talent. It's just all about the fundamentals and again that continuing to improve as the year goes along. Yeah, Cody, you mentioned the linebackers, and I'm wondering like what names so far have impressed you the most from that core. Well, dating back to last year, Specter Balin, uh, Specter impressed. I knew I knew he was going to be good. He just moved so quick. It, it, the only thing for him was just like with all the linebackers in the system is just getting comfortable. So you're moving to the ball and your instincts kind of align with your speed. But he clearly like he's he is fast. He is going to be a good one. Obviously, Jamie Skowski is he's all conference, maybe all American good. Glad to have him back. Are we going to get him for a sixth year? That would, that would be amazing. But um like both of those guys and obviously Mike Jones Jr. I, a couple times when I look, I'm like, who is that guy? Cause I was thinking, who's that safety? It must be one of the, the guys from the 2019 class, but it was actually Mike Jones Jr. Like, he, he's got the, the build of just a, a very solid safety. I mean, he's not, he's no Isaiah Simmons. He doesn't have that kind of link, but 
I'm impressed. His speed, his instincts, it's only his second year. Um, it's tough to play that position year two. He, he's a good one. Yeah, no, he's played, he's quietly played well this year and just going about his business. Um, you know, Trent Simpson, Simpson is another guy, true freshman that I thought he had some early playing time in this game, had a nice sack. Um, and you know, you don't see a lot of true freshman linebackers come into this program and get as much playing time that he's probably going to get this year. I wonder, I do wonder if that's a guy that could have avoided a red shirt had this been a red shirt eligible year, you know, before they granted that year of eligibility to everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so tough, but it's, it's uh, you, you can't help but wonder if you're grooming him to be the next uh, guy at the Sam spot. Granted, Mike Jones Jr. is going to have something to say about that too. Good point. Yeah. Well, but as opposed to, you know, last year, Isaiah Simmons was that hybrid guy, right? He could, he could go out in coverage and then he could also defend against the run. I think they're gonna be switching out guys a lot more based on the situation this year. So I think there's room for both of them to get playing time. I don't think Mike Jones Jr. is going to be putting up 900, um, well, in a normal season, 900 snaps, perhaps, like Isaiah Simmons would have last year. Agreed. They'll, they'll do, definitely do the, uh, the platooning, I suppose. Um, who, out of the corners and the safeties, who is, who's uh, been playing in the nickel spot? I have not noticed that. I've not paid attention to that. The first, like first, first DB off the bench, basically, Cody. Right. The first guy out last game, uh, Joseph Charleston was in first at nickel. Wow, that's a pure safety, but that's I mean that's that says a lot that they think uh, enough of him as a you know true sophomore. I guess he might maybe a redshirt freshman. Well, and I think part of this has to do with some of the depth. Also, like if Goodrich isn't really able to go, right. um, what does that kind of do to everything else? So. Um, within the nickel playing. But if you remember also, I think they had, when they were playing dime, at least they had, um, I guess that's a little bit different. You can definitely see like more of a safety and a cornerback look come in. But uh, I, I wanted to point out, you know, Kayvon Wallace was definitely playing a little bit more like the nickel back position last year and moving away from his safety slot. Cause they would bring Nolan Turner in for, for instance. Was Anthony Williams out for this game as well? I don't really recall seeing him. I mean, that, that's another guy on the depth chart listed as a co-starter. Um, I think behind, or with Kendrick at one of those corner positions. So interesting that I don't recall seeing him in this game, but I, I don't think he was out for any reason. He didn't have any tackles or attempts or assists. So, um, yeah, he may not, have, may not have suited up. Not sure what's going on with that. Well, guys, I think the, the biggest thing is who, you know, what you always say, Tully, who is going to test us? And I saw, I saw Joe Burrow playing quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was, that was a nice thing to see. For one, he's really good, and he's not in college football anymore. So who's going to test us this year? Justin, I mean, Justin holist, Fields. Yeah, we can say Justin Fields. Uh, I'm not ready to pencil Alabama in yet as a supercharged offense where they're going to be able to test Clemson. I definitely want to see – which of their quarterbacks is going to earn that job long-term and kind of what they look like, what their ceiling is. Uh, I guess let's talk more immediate regular season. Who's on our schedule. Notre Dame bounced back um, from a pretty abysmal first, uh, first week offensive performance. They put up 52 on uh, Jeff Scott's South Florida bulls. And then you had Miami kind of boat race Louisville. Um, You can talk about both of those teams not having impeccable defenses, but I think both of those offenses are going to be probably a good test for this Clemson team in different ways. I think Miami is going to be very much a pass first uh, sort of spread them out type of situation with Rhett Lashley and D.R. King. 
And then Notre Dame is going to be more of a run first uh, kind of dink and dunk attack with Ian Buck. And it's good. I mean, I, I do hope both of those teams, you know, suit up and bring, bring their a game against Clemson um, just from an offensive standpoint to really f- test this defense and get them in kind of thinking about postseason adversaries. Well, we also have to remember, I know we make a lot of fun about our schedule, but I think Virginia's going to put up a fight. Obviously, Miami. Notre Dame, I'm less concerned about their offensive prowess. Uh, they're a team that I would look to, you asked earlier, Ben, like who can test this team from a running standpoint. I, let's, let's see what Notre Dame does. Yeah, and then Pitt's another team that I've been talking about, although they weren't incredibly impressive against Syracuse over the weekend, uh, which was a little bit surprising to me considering Syracuse is supposed to be a really horrible football team this year. Um, but I think, again, to my point, I, I think we tend to make fun of our schedule, but I think when we take, take a step back and look at it, there are some challenges on this schedule, and let's not judge the rest of it by what we've seen against, you know, in two games early on against Wake Forest and the Citadel. Yeah, well, I, I think Notre Dame is, I think their offense is meh, but their defense is actually really good. That's a game. Miami does look better. Something about a 17 ranking or an 18 ranking being beside Miami and Louisville that just, it's something psychological or subconscious. It, it makes them seem like they're, the brand has been elevated. And now it's like, wow, we're going to have a, a real showdown with the you know, number 14 Miami or whatever they are right now. So I'm actually, I kind of like this uh, condensed uh, teams thing, although I know it's not going to last well, very long. Yeah, that's the funny thing, and neither of them would be ranked. I mean, Miami would probably be ranked at this point in the in somewhere between twenty and twenty-five. Um, if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was being considered right now, of course they're not. It'll be interesting to see when they kind of usher the Big Ten back into this. This week, ranking. we're going to do it after this weekend. Uh, okay, after this coming weekend. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Forget who said that. I think it was on the solid verbal. I heard that, but yes, I think after this weekend, you're going to see the the rankings shift again. So yeah, Miami could go. They could win. They could beat Florida State, who's going to be without their head coach this week. Go to three and zero, and then be unranked. <laughs> you think Norvell went to like a frat party? What happened there? Oh man, great. <laughs> we should get. All right. For our listeners who are inclined, send us a tweet, send us a Facebook message of what you think Mike Norvell did to contract COVID. We'll read it on air next week. It's interesting that Florida State was actually still in the rankings last week, or at least in the others receiving votes category after the loss to Georgia Tech. And then they have a, then they don't play and they drop out completely. Yeah. Weird rankings. (laughs) Yep. It's, it's odd. It's a weird time of year. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, more of the same from special teams. Uh, when Clemson did punt, I thought Will Spires played a pretty pretty good game from that aspect. Um, anything else to add, guys, special teams-wise? I would just say um, Spires began moving himself out of being a liability last year, and I think he's solidly there this year. He's an asset um, in flipping the field. He's had some great punts. He's continued to pr- – he's been consistent in improvement over his several years here. And that's really all you can ask for. He wasn't the best kicker in the world or best punter in the world when he came here. Um, but he's looking pretty damn good now. Yeah, it, it was never an issue of talent with him. It was just probably what was in between the ears and maybe maturity. He's, he's talented. I would like us to see, though, allow BT Potter to try some 70-yard field goals. Yeah. Because his 52-yarder, I think, when they did the physics, Clemson actually put out with a physics professor there 
they analyzed it and I think they said it'd be good from like 66 or 67. Let's do it. Let's break the NFL record while we're at it. I mean, and the Citadel, the Citadel would have been a perfect time for that, right? Instead of going at four and on a few of those fourth downs, would Potter kick away? Would have beat the spread too. Sounds like a chicken shit field goal to me. <laughs> well, hey, what was this? Not when it's 70. If 60? you had a 70 yard field, no, it's 49 and a half. Oh, I did not Chick- know that. Wow. Yeah. Chicken shit is when you're down like 35 to nothing and you get a field goal to look like you didn't get shut out. Yeah. Chicken yeah. a 70 yarder. That's legit. Great. Yeah. It's legit. It's like the opposite. Uh, well, anyway, great win. You know, congrats to all the fans that made the trip down. Hopefully it was not too bizarre of an experience. Um, I didn't read anything about irresponsible, you know, fans or tailgates or fights or anything like that. So um, pretty becoming of a Clemson home atmosphere, I feel like. So uh, very cool. Team gets the week off. Can't believe we're already nearing the end of September. Uh, the UVA game is now slated as an 8 o'clock kick East Coast time um, on October the 3rd. So that'll be really exciting. Uh, it is on ACC Network, so we're not going to get the, you know, the A-team from ESPN just yet. It's probably going to come later in the year, once or twice. Um, I imagine even the following week. Uh, and that Miami game, guys, is that that's at Miami, isn't it? Um, no, I thought that one was uh, – yeah, that's at home. Oh, cool. Even yeah. better. So, yeah, we may get game day in the Valley. We may get Herbie and Fowler and the crew – uh, so that'd be cool. I'm expecting that to be the case. I don't really know what other matchups are going on that weekend, but um, that should be to your guys' point. You know, if Miami can take care of business against Florida State this week, and we can beat Virginia. You know, that should per- pretend to be kind of a top 15 matchup, um, even w- when you start to add in the big t- Big Ten ranked teams ahead of them. You know, I was still thinking we had Louisville on the schedule for some reason, but we don't. Yeah, we miss Louisville and NC State and North Carolina and Duke. Yeah, it does kind of go to crap after the Miami game. We got Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Boston College before it picks up again at Notre Dame. So there's a little bit of lull there in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, B- BC showed some spark. They put a thumping on Duke. Um, that was surprising head to me. Coach. Yeah. I agree. Very surprising. Got to see a little bit more out of Boston College. But, uh, man, Chase Bryce, feel for him. I don't think he's got a whole lot around him this year. Well, he's got, you know, this year and two, two, two more left for, um, you know, the, around. yeah, they can build around his the tag, the yeah. tagline of former Clemson quarterback starts to draw in some, uh, some recruits. We yeah, also have like, good. we also have like three running backs who are going to transfer. So take your pick chase. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of already talking about future look ahead schedule as well as ACC action. I mean, I, I'm sitting here, I'm impressed by Miami. I think, Louisville's I'm impressed by Miami's early start on defense. I think Louisville eventually kind of figured some things out. And by that point, um, I think Miami's defense was kind of worn thin and, and um, they did constantly turnovers, but um, I think Miami from the start, like they looked like a pretty solid team coming together. Um, they got a good leader in DR King this year. And that team seems to be pretty bought into the new offensive system. You know, everyone's going to be like, Oh, is the U back? I don't think the U is going to be back until they're winning championships or at least, you know, contending for conference championships. And I don't know if that's like, are they two years away? Like what is the deal with that? But um, 
I like it. I think they're going to put up a decent, you know, they're going to represent some decent competition for Clemson, which I think we've all been looking forward to in ACC play because we've always circled that Notre Dame game coming up as like the biggest regular season game since Louisville 2016. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I'd put Miami on that map, but um, it's definitely welcome. I would say on a neutral field that I'd be more worried about Miami right now than I would be about Notre Dame. I'd give Notre Dame game the edge still as, as being our toughest opponent this year, just because it is in South Bend in November. Um, But yeah, Miami has, I'm not going to say I'm completely shocked because Derek King was a really good quarterback at Houston. Um, but the, 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 even with losing Rousseau, like Miami's defensive line has been really good so far out of the gates this year. Um, so I think when you probably take a look at ACC teams, they may be the most well-rounded team outside of ourselves. I I don't think I'm buying uh, Miami's stock quite yet. I think it's, I like King. He's good. He's athletic. But man, when you, you stick Venables on him and his his blitz, his disguise blitz, I think it's gonna he's gonna make tough, life very tough for King. Not saying that they're not gonna be an okay team. I think Notre Dame is gonna be a more formidable opponent, and ultimately, I think they're a better team than Miami. I need to see more from Miami before I can I'm, I'll be convinced. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know that we're gonna learn a whole lot about them playing the Knolls this week. <laughs> I think Florida State does have the best D line, um, not named Clemson in the ACC though. And that includes Miami. I think FSU's line's a lot better. So that'll be a good test, I guess, for Miami. Get Give Brent Venables and the coaching staff a little bit of film for this week. So that, you know, Clemson's got a bye. I feel like that's a game people should probably circle on their, on their calendars. I'm not sure Florida State's going to win five games this year. They've actually I don't think pre- that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they play us. They play Miami without a head coach. They already lost to Georgia Tech. Um, how many they played 10 regular season 11 right okay yeah yeah we're including their non-conference yeah they're um jacksonville state or something right so we'll call that a win yeah we'll see they're gonna it's gonna be crazy uh if they don't win five games but again like mike mike norvell like this is a multi-year rebuild process so i think it just matters if by the end of the year they start to show offensive line improvement and they have some semblance of an idea of who they're going to have a quarterback for next year. If neither of those things come through, they're going to have a really hard time, I think, recruiting to Tallahassee. I think it's going to affect their their trajectory. But they, I mean, they have they've still been recruiting well. They've been rebuilding since what 2014, 2015. Yeah, I mean, they've been pulling pieces in. But would you? Would you? I don't know. Just do you want to go there if you're not going to develop? If it's not going to translate the wins for your career? No, I'd go to Clemson. Yeah, I mean, you know, their state of Florida is definitely in flux right now. I mean, I think the Florida Gators are going to be highly ranked. I mean, they're they're on everyone's top ten. Um, just from a recruiting standpoint, if Miami's on the upswing, you definitely have these G five teams. And I know they're recruiting a little bit of a different caliber of talent, but yeah, the door is still very much open for the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Bamas, et cetera, of the world to come in and take skill position and take talent. So. Um, FSU's got a lot of challenges and, you know, alumni and booster, those guys, like those guys have definitely ponied up a lot to pay off Willie Taggart's salary. I mean, they had to have a huge buyout for that contract. So, well, and in the meantime, their facilities have really fell way behind. Right. Which I think was part of the reason for Jimbo Fisher leaving. 
Definitely. Definitely was. So it's, yeah, what they need, they don't have a lot of, and it just gets harder and harder, you know, the more, the more you lose. Uh, any other notable games guys from the ACC? I mentioned Notre Dame won fifty-two to nothing against Jeff Scott and South Florida. I don't know what can be taken away from this. You got a first year head coach in a system, completely different system than what um, was being run at USF previously. So, you know, again, you know, unfortunate for Jeff Scott to have that type of uh, beat down in his first, you know, power five matchup as a head coach. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying the uh, Tommy Reese, Ian book redemption story just yet from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. I think South Florida had a, you know, they're lacking um, in a lot of areas as far as talent is concerned. So I don't think it was any surprise that, that they did to, or they lost so bad to Notre Dame. Yeah. I think the surprising part of this game for me is that it wasn't Chris Tyree or Kyron Williams uh, leading the way rushing for Notre Dame. It was some kid named Sebo Flemister, 127 yards. He was not on my radar after their first game of the year, which Tyree and Kyron Williams actually looked really good. Yeah. So like I said, at Notre Dame going to present some interesting looks for Clemson, probably more of a run first attack relative to Miami. That's going to be more pass first. So um, really in about a month or so time frame, there, we're going to have a couple of good tests for Clemson's defense. Uh, also Notre Dame's defense is solid, good test for the offense. Uh, so, you know, schedule starting to shape up a little bit guys. Well, and I'll say this too, we get the sec back next weekend and I'm really happy to see that, um, just to get some better football out there being played. Um, it's hard when the only teams playing are in the ACC, which is pretty much what it, what it was last weekend. Right. There was like yeah. a couple big 12, uh, at a conference games for them. And that was it. Yeah. And even, even among the group of five, like app state Marshall was like an early on game and app state looks kind of mediocre. Um, so it's well, not lost. even like, the, yeah. well, they lost for sure. And, uh, Memphis, Houston, like a lot of these schools that are pretty impressive and fun to watch were canceled or postponed or didn't play. So, uh, Cincinnati played their team. You can kind of pencil in if you see them on nothing else is capturing your eye. Like I encourage people to get into group of five, man. It's pretty good football. It's a lot of fun and doesn't hurt to throw a few bucks on the over either. So hey, Tilly, what, speaking of Ohio teams, Ohio state, do you have a, a brief overview of how they stack up this year outside of Justin Fields? We know he's back. We know Chase Young's gone. Yeah, they do turn over a good amount of, of talent. I mean, everyone knows Chase Young went uh, to Washington early on. Um, Sean Wade, everyone is going to remember him from the targeting penalty against TL. Uh, he's back. He he what he did opt out. Um, he he and his family made a big deal about Ohio State not playing and the Big Ten not playing. And then you know days before they reinstated the league season he opted out uh, for the season. He ultimately decided to come back. He shouted out Trevor Lawrence in his uh, tweet announcing his comeback. He's back. Um, but I guess the, the thing to keep in mind about Ohio state, like they basically have had top three recruiting classes for really about the last five years. And they're able not only to just pull in a lot of great talent, but it actually is starting to fit in with the coaching staff system. So I don't think they're going to miss too much, of a drop off, at least from an offensive standpoint with who they lose. Um, I'm spacing right now on the name of their running back who went to the league. Uh, but I think that they're, 
it, that's really going to be what they need to develop is some of that rapport from an offensive playmaker standpoint with Justin Fields. Uh, but they bring in, I mean, there were a lot of wide receiver recruits that they pulled that Clemson was trying to target as well. Um, that, that we'll see play on the field this year if we match up. Um, but yeah, I think they bring back actually some of the most stuff, um, on their offensive line is going to be okay this year. And Akuda has gone. He was, you know, the guy that, uh, caused the incompletion with Justin Ross. It was not a fumble. It was an incompletion. Um, he's, he's gone this year. So high state they're restacking just like Alabama does. And I think you can, you can plan to see a really talented opponent. Yeah. I like it. And I, I like that. I like that you pointed out like kind of the, the typical, maybe it's the Phil still like the lazy man's methodology to determining how good a team will be or how bad that'll be is returning starters. And like we learned at Clemson, like we, we turn over players all the time, but look at the recruiting rankings. You're, you're likely to plug in some talent and you're right back to where you were. I don't know, but I thought that was uh, I, I will say that was a really, really good high state team last year. So I, I can't expect at least their defense to be that good. I agree. I, that that's what I expect to drop off for them. Actually, is their is their defense. So it'll remain to be. Seen. I mean, that was that was probably their best team of all time. Actually, at Ohio State, and the fact that Clemson took a took a few punches in the mouth, sixteen to zero deficit, and stuck in there. You know, re schemed, reinvented the offense with um, short range passing and Trevor Lawrence's legs. You know, really speaks to Clemson's talent level as a program kind of the coaching staff and what we can get out of this team. So I just from like a pride in Clemson standpoint, you know, that game really has to stand out as a top three um, as a Clemson fan and just an unbelievable comeback too. And I agree. I I think Ohio state is going to be probably worse top to bottom than they were a year ago. Yeah. There's a lot of chirping come out of their camp. Still very bitter about that loss last year. Um, Yeah. it I was would, talking about this and I want to ask you guys, like, what is your perfect path? You know, you get to just write the, write the script for the next four months of the season. Do you want Ohio state in the natty or do you want them in the semis and who else do you want? I Can I go first? Yeah, I want, uh, I want LSU to upset Bam. I don't think it'll happen, but I want, I want them to upset Bam. I want them in the semis. I want to just boat race them just to, just to, you know, some redemption know. and then, and then Ohio state in the finals and another boat racing would be nice. What you got, Ben? I would love to see South Carolina just come out of nowhere and go undefeated with their poor man's clipboard Jesus. And then we ruin their season. We actually get to play them in the playoff, <laughs> but realistically speaking, we know that's not going to happen. So no, I, I mean, I, I want the, like an LSU matchup doesn't mean the same to me because we would not be beating Joe Burrow. Um, You know, I, I would love to see us play Ohio state again, just because of how bitter they are and all the, all the smack talk that you're hearing going around. Um, So, you know, what we didn't have, you know, what we didn't have when we played them last year was a defensive line. Uh, You know, I mean, we had guys there, but just not a lot of depth. So um, that's a huge difference. Cody, speaking of, bringing you guys in and plugging them in right away to kind of get back to where you were. So, um, and that's kind of the beauty about college football, right? From year to year, it's, you know, you have the same programs back, but they're not necessarily the same teams. Um, but you know, I, I had a lot of respect for Ohio state after that game last year. Um, I would have actually would have loved to see what their defense could have done against LSU. 
um, a different type of defense. They were stronger across the the defensive line. I think ultimately they had better guys in the secondary. Um, so I think it would have been really interesting to see what they would have been able to do um, against LSU. Well, first, I, not a hot take or uh, not, a, not a popular opinion, but I think uh, they were a better team than us. I think we faced two of the best teams in the playoff era, and we went one for two. And pretty, pretty good. But w- so who's your path to the, uh, the championship in? Like, who would I want to play first? Yeah. Um, I mean, I look at the rankings. It's going to have to be. Well, maybe we talk. We want somebody new to come in there. I, I want to play Ohio State in the national championship game would be my preference. Um, I don't think Georgia's going to be good enough. Um, Florida, do we have any confidence in them? I don't. So it almost feels like it's going to be the same old group of, of, of teams again. You know, the Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Um, Oklahoma is, I don't think, going to be a phenomenal team, but they're certainly good enough to go undefeated in the Big 12, um, end up back in the playoff. So I don't know. I've just I've come to realize over the years that I love playing the best of the best of the competition and seeing those games. And when you lose, it takes some of the sting away because you know you've lost to a really great team. Um, so I'm just hoping for the best to end up in the playoffs. Um, and, and given the best teams, the opportunity to compete. Tully. Yeah. I think my intrigue path is Bama in the semis and the Rose bowl. I, I just don't know if I see Ohio state being number one to like force us out out West against Bama. So I want to play in the Rose bowl, no matter what, if they go undefeated with their schedule as compared to ours, yeah, see, so they're going to play Michigan and Penn State and then beat, like, Wisconsin, who's got a cakewalk. So right. I guess you're right. They're going to have kind of, like, three top ten wins. Um, and you probably have to imagine Bama's going to lose one. So, yeah, it'll probably be, like, Ohio State one, Clemson two, Bama three, and somebody number four. So I'm cool going the Bama-Clemson semis route in Pasadena. It would be a great experience for people. Um, and then, yeah, let's take down Ohio State and Miami. That'd be a lot of fun. But Ben, if you got to introduce some new blood, George has been chirping also. I don't know why. It's not warranted. They can't win a big game. <laughs> it's not warranted. But let's shut them up. You know, we're clearly beating them in any competition we want on the recruiting trail. Cade May, Cade May is accepted, who's now at Tennessee, by the way. And um, yeah, I think we can take Georgia down a peg if Alabama is not up to, to the task. I mean, alternatively, sure. we could just beat Notre Dame three times this year. I'd take that too. Um, I, mean, I don't think the two lost Notre Dame's making the playoff. If they've only <laughs> lost to Clemson, it depends on what everybody else has done. <laughs> depends on how close the games are. Um, I mean, maybe be it'd be fun. fun to beat LSU. I don't know. I'll take whoever. I just want to get there. More games I get to see Trevor and Etienne play. I don't care who they're against. I want West Virginia. How about that? We'll throw one out there for you guys. If they can run the table in the Big 12, we can get our revenge on. Yeah, you want me to name the list of teams that are ranked ahead of them currently? <laughs> it's half FBS, I bet. Are they ranked? Uh, no, they're like 27th. I see. Okay. Um, teams we haven't mentioned, who else are contenders? Like, I guess you just got to say, like, who else can win the Big 12? So Texas is a possibility. Yeah. I would Nothing say anywhere Oklahoma, Alabama. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. Like I, I joked about, we haven't seen Bama in the recent past. Um, 
I will say this. We start the season with Georgia next year, but I guess, I mean, it's always fun to beat them. Yeah, let's go back to back. That would be cool. That would mean them getting into the national championship game, though, which I don't think is happening. Right. Uh, well, in any event, be nice here to see the SEC get back on the field, finally start their season. I'm going to be interested to see what their st- their stands look like, their stadium experience. Um, the cynical fans going to assume that they're going to botch that, but I think just overall the protocol of their league has probably been pretty professional, pretty tight so far, uh, which is you know good for them. Um, be interesting to see things like the Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach arrows start and what those guys can get done with um, a lot more talent than what they were dealing with in their previous destinations. So uh, that'll be an, an interesting wrinkle here. Uh, Tennessee is playing South Carolina. If you are into gambling, I would look into that one. And then uh, Texas against Texas Tech. Those are kind of my two, I don't want to say locks of the week, but two games I'm going to be looking at. Yeah, it'll be fun to see South Carolina back on the field again. It's always good to have another game to root against somebody, you know, another game to look forward right. to some skin in the game. Yeah. Any other matchups you guys are looking at this weekend? No, you keep asking us that. <laughs> I do. I'm waiting. Wrap it up. <laughs> what time does Oregon play? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hang on. UK Auburn might be good. Yeah. Louisville Pitt. All right. You have to take the, the like higher nut ranked teams with a grain of salt, but sure. Oh, totally. Like the 23s. Right. How many undefeated ACC teams do you think drop out of the top 25 when the Big Ten gets included next week? I mean, yeah, if like Pittsburgh limps ahead of Louisville, I mean, you got to be out. You got to recall, you got to remember that generally there's about us and one other ACC team in the top 25, maybe another one. Maybe it's right. Yeah, it's like, Someone in the upper teens, someone in the 20 to 25 range usually. So, I mean, right now there's what? Only like six, five ACC teams ranked. So I think Virginia Tech will drop out. I think Pitt will drop out. Louisville's already lost, but they're still ranked. They're out. Notre Dame will stay in. Miami will stay in. That's about it. Oh, yeah. We yeah, get Ben. To, we, we, get to, three. we get to count Notre Dame this year. That's right. For better or worse. Official ACC member. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's all we had for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in and sticking with us. Um, it is a bye week coming up, so I think we might take a week off. We will see. Maybe we'll get the inclination to record and you get a bonus episode. But regardless of that, we will be back to recap the UVA game. Um, in the meantime, you know where to find us on social media, twitter.com slash Clemson Podcast, Clemson Podcast on Facebook. Shoot us an email, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any guesses as to how Mike Norvell contracted COVID, please keep it PG-13. And uh, if you like it, we'll read it on the air next week. Uh, you guys got anything else? Did y'all know that J.P. Lossman was on our coaching staff? I did know that. I forget what his kind of claim to fame was or why he's he's on our staff. But Well, he was an he was NFL backup. quarterback. Yeah, yeah for the Bills. Um, I, he, there was some like there was some reason he made news as our as our coach. Um, in what capacity, Ben? Is he just uh, an assistant? He's like a, not an official coach or something. Yeah, like an analyst or something. Yeah. One of those right. people who have plenty of money from somewhere else. that, Like you know. hanging around the program. Yeah, like yeah. CJ. Exactly. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, that's all we have for today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back after week three. 
And as always, go Tigers. 